Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Adrian San Miguel. I am the principal architect for the Managed Service Provider Program at AWS. I'm also its global technical lead. In this session today, we're going to talk about the AWS MSP program and how we're helping partners help their customers uh, achieve their business outcomes. We're going to be sharing the stage today with our good friends at Clouticity. We've got CEO Jerry Miller here to speak with us, as well as our APN and global MSP lead, leader, Barbara Kessler. So, one of the interesting things that I'd like for you to take away is uh, when Jerry takes the stage is how we're going to go over some of the best practices and the things that they were able to do organizationally and culturally to enable them to build a successful AWS MSP practice. We're going to be talking a lot about proactive monitoring, modernization, automation, as well as a really thoughtful way to start managing their customers' environments. So one of the key things also is uh, to remember that APN partners also gain an extremely laser-focused view of what your customers are doing, and that's why they lean on you to be their trusted advisors as they begin journeying through the cloud. High-level agenda, we're gonna be talking a deep dive into what we consider our next generation managed services to be. We're gonna talk a lot about the partner opportunity that is available today to you via some research that was conducted via, by Ovum. We're we'll talk about some technical and cultural best practices that we have observed in best-of-breed partners over the last couple years. I hand it over to Jerry to talk about the, the story from Clouticity, and we'll wrap with Barbara Kessler talking about some of the resources and enablement that are available to you through the program that can help you get going on the way or in a lot of instances to help you continue to evolve your practice as time goes on. Next Generation Managed Services has a very interesting connotation these days because um, as a bit of background, I grew up in a data center racking and stacking servers, tape operator, many, many nights hugging a server that I prayed very, very hard would come back after it was restarted for the 85th time. Anybody that's ever managed Solaris probably knows what I'm talking about. So these days, the expectation from customers is that their MSP focuses on their business outcomes first. And by this, I specifically mean we're not talking about break fix. We're not talking about being able to configure a server on the fly. Here, the end goal for a next generation MSP is to elevate above the transactional. To be clear, you do not provide value just by stopping and starting services like Apache. Your customers have reached a point of maturity where they simply expect you to do this by default. If you haven't had the opportunity to incorporate automation, self-healing, various mechanisms to ensure reliability and availability, you're kind of doing yourself and the customer a disservice at this point. These days, managed services are extremely rapidly evolving. In some of the other talks that I've done this week, we did touch on a couple of these. First and foremost, I do want to um, ensure that if you leave with nothing else today, the run and operate focus of a traditional MSP model is no longer tenable for the long term. The reason for this is research has shown that approximately between the 36th and 38th month of an onboarded MSP customer, they have reached a level of operation and cultural maturity where they are probably in lockstep, if not more advanced than most of your technicians in-house. And specifically because of this, we recommend that you begin to shift above the break fix into really having a white glove consultative approach from your support and operations teams to focus on designing, architecting, and automating. I'm asked very, very frequently, how should I go about automating? When should I automate? 
I tend to think in the rule of three. If you have to do it more than a third time, and if you're not annoyed by the fourth, you should be automating it. If you have to go a few extra layers and ensure that debugging is done, ensure that you have a good picture of what your customers are doing, you're doing it right. But to simply log in, service HTTPD restart, just because it takes 15 seconds to do it, those 15 seconds add up over the life of each of your technicians and of your customers. And I'll be getting into that here in a little bit. Customers are really wanting to focus on solutions, as I mentioned before. They're moving away from, we'll sell you a box, and this box has one power supply, and it has an annual failure rate of once every 400 days, or what have you. What we're looking for here, and what customers are demanding these days in the market, is a true software-based approach where they don't have to worry about the infrastructure that's in the background that actually makes it run. They just know that it runs and it is a full package solution versus just a server and a database and a load balancer, what have you. We keep talking about solutions and it is a very important thing to remember that a good example is what we just saw um, over Black Friday. Hundreds if not thousands of retailers spend the entire year scaling up, working with partners just like yourself to ensure that when that moment comes that they have to absolutely be up, they have the ability to do so. Some customers and, and um, major retailers measure losses per minute in the tens of millions of dollars range. At the end of the day, if you point to an EC2 SLA of 99.9% and they were still down for a minute, that still has a potential impact of hundreds of millions of dollars for the customer. And as you begin working with them and evolving them as you continue to grow, you're no longer selling them a infrastructure or an app, you're selling them peace of mind. The only way you can really do that is if you embrace whole, um, wholeheartedly the concept of infrastructure as code, self-healing, if it breaks, throw it away. Don't spend an hour, a day, a week troubleshooting a nefarious app. Throw it away and start again. It doesn't matter. Only way you can really do this is to deep dive into using things like anomaly, anomaly detection, dynamic monitoring. If the CPU is going 95% every day on your SQL server, it doesn't matter. But if it drops to 50%, that should set off bells and whistles to say, go look at this, this isn't right. The only way you can really get there is to evolve into a model that embraces continuous compliance. This is your baseline. This is normal. When it's not, use that dynamic monitoring to go figure out why it broke. And finally, as you begin doing all of these things, it starts to evolve you into the concept of being a trusted advisor and partner. Those of us that have been doing this for a while remember that lovely term of a single throat to choke. Elevate yourselves beyond that. That is what you will do as you continue to progress down this path. Now, some of the, some of the uh, faces in the room have seen this slide from one of the earlier talks that I gave. There is always a cost of not evolving. For some, it's financial. For some, it's attrition. It's headcount. It's lack of market influence. And it's lack of trust in the customer. But since I am a visual person, and I did mention Solaris earlier, I'll tell you a, a real quick story. So, for a period of seven years when I worked for an MSP, 
this was me every night between hmm, 11 p.m. and about 7 a.m. The reason I was hunched over a tree was because I had to do a serial 126 server restart in order every night for seven years. I ran the math one night and it ended up being about a third of the year doing nothing else. No training, no enablement, no helping my employer get things done, no new projects. Everything stopped for seven hours a night while I did this. This is happening every day at present for your customers in your practice, whether you choose to believe so or not. And the reason I say this is because through the course of 2018 and 2019, I worked with 28 partners that are currently in the MSP program to determine that on average, there's 38 hours per shift that are spent doing low value, repetitive tasks that will never make a difference in your practice or in the lives of your customer. On average, this partner lost 114 hours of shift time per day. This is on the low end. Break this down into a hypothetical $30 an hour times a full year, and you're looking at a significant amount of time spending chasing CPU alerts. Is it up? I need to restart a service. Do I have enough free disk space? What does the log say? At the end of the day, you're looking at about a million dollars in wasted time of your people. This is a million dollars of time that they are spending doing things that will never matter, that will never help your customers develop, and they will entirely slow down your practice. I ask this to every partner that I talk to in an EBC. What would you do with an extra million dollars? Is that training and enablement? Is that building out that app modernization practice that you've been talking about doing? Is that embracing a new technology? Is that hiring more people? This is something that is particularly resonant with Jerry, um, who has a very, very interesting dialogue about this uh, specific talk track, and he'll get into that here in a minute. Opportunity-wise and best practices, I've seen everything from the smallest startup and everything up to um, the largest multinational GSI. But what they all have in common is that the customers are asking the exact same thing. This study was provided to us by Ovum, and it was just before GDPR became a thing in 2018. But the one common thing is customers have to allocate IT wallet spend to begin running IT operations in the cloud. It's not an if anymore, it's a when. When have we hit that point of operational maturity that we don't want to run data centers anymore? When is it that we do not want to do anything other than focus on application and business logic in our practice? What we have seen is that approximately 50% of the respondents of 802 total uh, customers that were, that were surveyed in the enterprise space they're all spending upwards of 15% currently or actively planning to spend 15% of their budget to start doing this in 2020. The interesting thing here is they are all reporting they're facing the exact same problems. What we see here in the gray and in the red are the, the highly agree and the strongly agree sentiment of these customers. You'll see things like IT security, data privacy, compliance, how do I ensure governance? How do I ensure that my entirety of my ecosystem is bought into the cloud? 
through the entirety of the data set, we find that approximately 80% of the challenges have to do with compliance, security, governance, effectively ensuring that they don't have to worry about these things and focus on the things that matter the most to them. We've also found, as a result of this survey, that customers explicitly need help building applications and managing them. This manifests itself in ways such as we need, a, we need an MSP to have that system integrator capability. Those that have heard me speak before or have had the opportunity to speak to repeatedly, I state, you must have that pro-serve lead-in. This is irrefutable evidence of that, that the customers, they absolutely want it. They don't want to have to write their own apps. Do it for them. They're also saying, we want to modernize. We don't want anybody to have to worry about application management. Patch it for us. Deploy it for us. We give you a code bundle. We'll put it in S3 every three weeks. Roll it out so that we don't have to. The one thing you don't see on this list is break fix support. Trouble ticketing, 1-800-I-NEED-HELP. That is just expected table stakes at this point of operational maturity. So to deliver customers the outcomes that they need, this is, this is where it gets a little bit difficult. In the last three years in working with AWS MSPs, I've determined in, uh, through various surveys and deep dives and research that there are six distinct personas that comprise most AWS MSPs. Some have a little more, but on average, it's about six. What I mean by that is that you're actively specializing your MSP staff. You're not asking your marketing person to write code in most instances. You're not asking your developers to go out and do break-fix support. You're not asking your sellers to write a go-to-market campaign. And the whole idea for this is because you the, at the end of the day, if you do not actively specialize, you're not going to do it effectively well. So on the screen, I have a hypothetical exercise that I ran with a professional services company in 2018. They had three distinct flavors. Had a PMO office, a generalist that was very multi-cloud in nature, and they had AWS specialists that did nothing other than provide 400 plus level support. What's really interesting about this partner is I paired with um, the head of the specialist team for a particular customer opportunity. They just couldn't get it right because for whatever reason, they took somebody who had never been a project manager, they took somebody who had never bid on a statement of work, put them together in front of a multi-million dollar customer, and they blew it. So. End of the day, they brought the right person in from the PMO office. They brought in an extremely deep AWS professional services person and myself. We gathered all the requirements and through nothing less than 32 revisions of a statement of work, the partner won the deal. It was worth $32 million on a um, migration acceleration program EDP. The bonus here is because the specialist and the PMO did extremely well because they had to. You notice that there's a bit of overlap there. They're the most expensive team, but that is your A team. That is where you focus your quality. Because of that, they were able to gain an additional $100 million of customer opportunity that they did not know existed until they were able to, to, to turn in a proper artifact. To get there, we've launched something called the Partner Learning Path Tool. You can find this through Partner Central, and it is super, super easy to leverage. Effectively, all you have to do is hit this page. You tell it what you want to do, 
or as I like to tell my peers, what do you like, what would you like to be when you grow up? And you give it the role that you're going to fill at the consulting partner or the technology partner, and it's a curated master list of recommended courses that are tailor-made to ensure that your solutions architects understand solutions architecture um, at, a, at a minimum of a 300 level. And as you begin to choose your adventure here, you can get as deep as you choose to do so. The great thing about this is our training and certification team loves nothing more than working with partners either in one of our offices or we will absolutely bring them to you. Each of your PDMs has a wealth of information regarding partner training options. And one of the cool things that is not a very well-known benefit is if you tell them we want you to come to us, not only will we come to you, we will give you the course at a approximately 80% discount per person that is in the room, as well as give them a free certification voucher. So what that means is for the price of $800, for example, for the SA Pro prep course, you get a three-day on-site boot camp and a free test voucher out of that. So net cost of that would be approximately $500. Moving forward, Something that really, really helps MSPs in the long run is having that certification knowledge, but also being able to demonstrate and prove that expertise and execution. You know, I come from an uh, essay and engineering background. I do not pretend to be a developer, even though I write horrible, horrible code and I could do it if I really had to. That's not me. But I have the presence of mind of knowing when to reach out to the specialists and allowing them to go out and do what they do best. What's really important about this is, as I mentioned before, your product and engineering release teams that develop and influence what your MSP roadmap looks like, having the ability to understand what the service does at a 300 level through, like, through a training and certification course, but also being married and having those really great relationships with service teams is going to ensure two things. You know what's coming down the pipe in things like reInvent and Summit time, and you also know how to incorporate that into your MSP practice. Many, many times I have found that those type of relationships, they just don't exist. And it's extremely powerful for talking to your prospects and your in-house customers that you have these deep relationships and you can call on them when they matter. You'll also uh, specifically want to entertain ways to allow your specialist to engage your customers and not waste time running your business. Specifically, what that means is there's always a list of things that have to be done from a support and operations standpoint. Automate it and leverage as much native service capability as you can as practical. You know, sometimes a lot of us have in-house tooling and features and significant technology investments that we've made over time, and that's perfectly fine. But we do have a curated list of AWS services that can do it for you so that you don't have to. One partner in particular that I spoke with from EMEA estimates that before they um, embraced Systems Manager, they were wasting about 150 hours a month doing patching. That is now down to one and a half hours every two weeks for a customer fleet of about 150. That's it. That's, those are the type of things that as you continue evolving and growing with your customers, you're going to want to find opportunities and ways to continue learning, advancing the technology curve, and at the same time, allowing those specialists to touch the customers in a way that is far more valuable than something as simple as break fix. 
And with that, I'd like to turn it over to Jerry Miller from Cloud City to talk to us about how he and his are delighting their customers over time. Thank you. Very much. All right, uh, thanks for being here. My name is Jerry Miller. I'm the founder and CEO of Cloudticity. Uh, we decided that we would start a company with a small goal of making every human on Earth healthier. Uh, and so we built the company to focus exclusively on providing healthcare solutions for healthcare companies on AWS. So we started the company in uh, 2011. Uh, we were fortunate enough not to have had a, any data center or physical architecture background, so we, we didn't come into this with any legacy baggage. So we were able to kind of think about what would an MSP look like that didn't have to do things manually, and that worked in an environment that was purely virtual and 100% of the infrastructure was programmable as code. And we'll talk a little bit about what that meant to us and, and what it more importantly meant to the customers. Um, we help healthcare organizations design, build, migrate, manage, and optimize healthcare applications on AWS. The distinction that we have is that we came from the MSP uh, perspective not as a people problem, which it is for most people. Um, most organizations that need managed services need a lot of people in a lot of time zones, a lot of eyeballs staring at screens. Uh, there's a lot of human interaction with ticket management. There's a lot of manual processes. And from day one, we looked at managed services as a software problem. And we decided we were never going to fix a customer's problem. We're going to write software that fixes that customer's problem. And the results have been pretty tremendous. So when we talk about to our customers, why, why would they want to work with a company like Cloudticity? And, and this is a key takeaway, right? So it, I think you're here to learn two things, right? You're, learn, you're here to learn how to make money. At, be, at being an MSP, and you know how to automate and be efficient with it. So when we talk about our story to our customers, you know, we, we, we clarify that we're born in the cloud and that what it means to not have legacy baggage. Um, if you're in an MSP that has had legacy baggage and you're trying to pivot, what we've seen is that that almost never works. Let that business be its own business and let it live on its own build your next-gen MSP package or um, practice on the side of that. It, that. The ability to transform from a traditional MSP to a next-gen MSP is very, very difficult. I was talking to a colleague this morning who said, you know, it's, it's like trying to turn a battleship. And I'm like, no, it's not. Because if you turn the battleship, you're still a battleship at the end of the turn. You're just like traveling in a different direction, right? You, you, you need to break that battleship into 10,000 agile command ships, right? Like, you, you, you cannot try to do things in the traditional way with a fully automated approach. The next thing I'll tell you is that it's really important to know your swim lane. So it, it's really difficult when you start an MSP not to take every job that's handed to you. And so what you end up trying to do is become all things to all people. And that's a really untenable approach to the market. So, um, you know, in hindsight, it was a great decision that we had the discipline to say, we're going to do AWS, we're going to do healthcare, and we're not going to do anything else. And we got really good at AWS. And people asked us, can you do this other thing, like this financial services thing? And, you know, we, we kept the discipline to say no to that. And as a result, you know, that single-minded focus has enabled us to carve a niche in what has turned out to be a really big business. So, 
uh, highly recommend that you are very clear about your value proposition, that you articulate it, and most importantly, that you stick with it. Um, so very briefly, uh, we are primarily a managed cloud provider, managed services. Uh, we break that into three areas because healthcare, it's really important. We do managed services, managed compliance, and managed security. Those aren't piecemeal, that comes in a bundle. Um, if you wanna know about making money, 95% of our revenue is that, is managed cloud. And which means 95% of our revenue is recurring revenue. And we just, the checks come every month. And so we get to build on top of that. We're not selling project work over and over and over again. We do professional services. Uh, last year, about 2% of our revenue. I'm trying to swing that to about 10% of the revenue, but no more. Um, but the professional services are designed very exclusively to feed the managed services because that's the money. That's the 95% of the revenue. So we do migrations to the cloud. If your workload is not on AWS, then we can't manage you on AWS. Uh, we do a lot of application optimization. Once we have a client on AWS, we work with them to re-engineer their application to take advantage of cloud native services. Now that does two things. For the client, that gives them a much more reliable application. It's much more modern. It's much more easy to maintain. It doesn't break as often. And for us, it gives us a sticky client. The third thing is DevOps automation. We help our clients automate everything. And we'll, I'll go into some details. I mean everything. And the result of that is that our clients are really happy because they don't have to spend time doing things like patching and you know, low-level, low-value activities. But for us, our phones don't ring at night. We don't have emergency 3 a.m. get you know, everybody together because automated things just don't break. And the final thing is, in healthcare, there's a tremendous amount of data. I mean, we capture data from everything. And the data, when they become actionable, do things like save people's lives. Like, it's an amazing opportunity. And so we built a consulting practice around building gigantic data lakes and, and, and driving useful information out of those on AWS. We uh, really focused on the partner piece of consulting partner. So, you, you know, we, we learned early on that the transactional way of working with a partner, like here's my 2,000 bucks, where are my credits, give me leads, doesn't, doesn't work. So it's really important that we give as much value or more to AWS as we expect from them. And in fact, we try to do that first. Like we didn't go asking for leads for a few years. We, we, we wanted to earn that right. And we did it by proving through competencies that we were worthy of those leads. And so uh, I you know, highly recommend as you're building your practice, think of it as a true partnership and invest as much or more as you expect AWS to invest back into you. And I will tell you from experience that you know, after eight or nine years of doing this, the res results are, are worthwhile. So let's talk about the automation first approach. The Cloudicity Center of Excellence starts with the idea of automation first. There is nothing, and I mean nothing, that can't be automated. There are some things that are really hard to automate, and that's okay, but there's nothing that can't be automated. And here's the beautiful thing about it. The easiest, thing to, to, that the easiest things to automate are the ones that immediately have the most benefit to both your customers and to your managed services practice. Automate patch management. Like, that's brainless, right? And you do things like go from 150 hours to one and a half hours a month. Um, 
automate deployments, automate everything. The second is make sure that you innovate. So you notice, I mean, you know, if anybody's subscribing to like the what's new Twitter feed from reInvent here, like AWS spends a lot of time introducing new services and features, right? So we have to be as valuable to our clients in that way as well. And so we spend a lot of time understanding how investments in product development, we've, we built an internal product called Cloudicity Oxygen, it's the platform that we use to deliver services. We spend a lot of time understanding how Cloudicity Oxygen, how investing in product development might improve efficiency. And if we improve efficiency, should we add more salespeople? And if we add more salespeople, what do we do about marketing? Um, so understanding how all of the pieces of the business fit together, what the levers are, where you can step on the gas and accelerate, where you need to watch for warning signs through leading indicators, all of these things are connected. Third pillar of our center of excellence is actually technical excellence, right? Like, you, you can't just be mediocre in this field. You've got to really be good at what you do. And we're really good at what we do. Like, our, our team, the team that, that, that comprises Cloudicity is spectacular. And we do things like not only recommend certifications, but we require certifications. So every technical person on our team gets a quarterly bonus unless they don't pass the certification test that quarter. So we've built into our business ways to ensure that we're continuing to raise the bar. And it was great because after five quarters, we, we ran out of tests and then the specialty exams came out and that was a lifesaver. Um, and, and also recognize that you're not an island in this world, right? As, as an MSP, you're part of a community. And so the fourth piece is investing in cloud thought leadership both through our own you know, ability to share what we do, like spending time here, publishing, that sort of thing, but integrating and, and investing in the community around us. Like for the healthcare industry, high trust certification is a really important thing. And so we're very tightly aligned with the high trust organization and obviously with AWS and with other partners like Trend Micro for security and high trust or Gartner. It's, it's critical to be a thought leader but also to integrate yourself into the larger community and participate in that greater thought leadership. So we talked about automation. I'm going to give you some examples. Um, so at Cloudicity, we have a saying that we, we, value car, uh, we value silicon over carbon, right? So we think that silicon, computer chips, are much, much better at doing many, many things than people. And unfortunately, in many organizations, they have people doing things that are very low value activity with very low return, high risk of mistakes. Every time a finger touches a keyboard, there's not only a possibility, but actually a likelihood that something bad is going to happen. When you automate it and you let the silicon do the work, the cool thing is that you know it's gonna happen the same time every time. You know that it's trackable, it's auditable, it's monitorable, all of the good things. And the people that aren't doing that work are off doing better things that add value to your company's mission and your customer's mission. So we do things like when we automate security, we like to provide simple things like hardened AMIs to our clients because they're healthcare organizations and we need to provide them the baseline tools like CIS1, CIS Profile 1 and 2 uh, certified or hardened AMIs, right? 
But that's actually not a really easy thing to do because there's a lot of different flavors of Linux and a lot of different base AMIs and AWS releases them at different times and the process of building an AMI got a little bit easier with, with uh, you know, the, the new image builder, but it's not all that easy and, and actually hardening an AMI is an iterative cycle because you have to run the tests. We use Chef Inspect to run CIS tests um, and you have to remediate it and see if that broke anything and then fix it. That, that's a process, and you have to do that across all the flavors and all of the reads. And so we built an AMI builder tool that builds hardened AMIs automatically. It subscribes to the SNS topic that AWS publishes to when it releases a new AMI. It launches an EC2 instance. It iterates using step functions to, um, to con continuously apply patches and continuously test with Chef Inspec. And eventually we come out with a hardened AMI, which we publish to another SNS topic that notifies our clients, and that triggers a whole bunch of code pipelines, excuse me, a whole bunch of code pipeline stuff that updates all of the environments. And so when AWS releases a new AMI, it, at the end result is that all customers have the updated AMI fully hardened with a vetted process that Cloudtisity built. That's an example of what you guys can be doing and the tremendous value that that adds to your clients without incurring the human cost and potential uh, security problems that come with the errors that humans tend to produce. So there's a tangible example. Another tangible example, you know, we create a lot of accounts for our clients. And those accounts have to be configured in a very prescriptive but very flexible way. Like, not every client account is the same, but there are certain baseline elements that have to be the same every single time. And th those need to be mapped back in our industry to the HIPAA requirements and the high trust requirements. So, you know, here's a screenshot of, it, it is a little bit sped up, it takes in reality about five minutes, um, where when we, in our CRM system, drag a, 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 a deal from the possible to the closed, it triggers this. And five minutes later, that customer has one or more accounts set up in a way that is, was defined in CRM when we were working the deal, and those accounts are ready, fully hardened, fully available to the client in minutes. So what are the results of this? Um, I'm sorry, the slide is old. Uh, on any given day, it's actually 96% of our help desk tickets never touch a human. So because we're a small team, we're 13 people, but we service a very big client base because we're automated, we get 10 times more help desk traffic than any customer of our size and yet 96% of those never touch a human. So we can not only service a large number of clients with a smaller team, which drives profitability, et cetera, but the people that are not solving these tickets are engaging in like really meaningful conversations with those clients. And we're talking about some interesting high order things, not, is my server broken today, right? Um, we've got about 100 million people's protected health information under our stewardship. About 70% of the help desk tickets are resolved within an hour. Uh, this is outdated too. I think last month it might have been about 3,300 compliance issues automatically detected and remediated. Um, in our eighth or ninth year of business, we've never had a breach of, our, of any of our systems and the healthcare industry is the number one targeted industry for breach, so that, that's a pretty good thing. Um, we were one of the early uh, managed or audited managed service providers. We got into that program. I think we were seven people. Um, we were the first company that ever got 100% on that audit, um, in large part because we didn't have to 
prove that we, you know, how, how do you validate all the work that you're doing? Well, we do, here, here's the log. Like, it's it just the computers are doing the work. So the results of being a, of, of that fanatical devotion to automation are kind of evident in, in, in some of the outcomes. Um, you know, as, as a small, like, again, 13 people, as a small company, like, we're kind of on the map, right? And, and that's because we're doing really interesting work because we're not solving help desk tickets. We're having really interesting conversations and we're moving the needle with our clients and, and we're making a difference in the healthcare industry as it results in people's lives. So, like, here are some things for our client Verge Health. We were able to migrate them. Uh, they had a very complex system. They service over 900 hospitals. They need like 100% uptime, like real time um, risk mitigation for, you know, for 900 hospitals. Uh, they were in a data center, costs were spiraling, um, they're growing very fast, uh, the data center couldn't uh, accommodate that growth. We had a very aggressive timeline, the, um, data, the colo lease was, was ending, so they either had to extend it for another three years, or they had to go month to month, which would have doubled their costs, or they could migrate 100% in less than 90 days. And as you might imagine, we automated that migration and got it done, and before the end of the year, we shut the lights off at the data center, um, and today, you know, their, their uh, chief sleuth officer has one of the, my favorite sayings. He said, when we started working with Cloudicity, things that used to take months now take moments. So pretty good outcome. Uh, Michigan Health Information Network, shared services, one of the largest HI health information exchanges in the country. We actually did this migration concurrently, and I think we had five people on staff at the time. So these were two concurrent migrations that, happened, that had to happen both within 90 days and we had to shut the lights off at the data center afterward. But their cost management, uh, in fact, their infrastructure has been so successful that many other states have come to them and, and asked them, would you run my HIE? Because you guys do it so well. Uh, they've spun out innovation labs. They've spun out commercial ventures. None of this innovation could have happened there if it weren't for their ability to not have to think about just patching. <laughs> um, revenue cycle management using machine learning, uh, MedPilot. Uh, we help them automatically build and deploy machine learning models uh, using SageMaker and Lambda that retrieves uh, huge amounts of, of billing information and increases a provider's revenue capture rate. So with that, I'd like to ask Barbara to come up and thank you very much for your time today. Jerry, I'm gonna ask you to stay on stage with me for a minute. Because okay. I have a couple of things that I wanna chat with you about that I think would be interesting to share with this audience. Sure. So, first of all, um, nice to meet everybody. Uh, my name is Barbara Kessler. I lead global APN partner programs at AWS. Um, and the managed services space is something that I get really excited and passionate about because I see what partners like Jerry and Cloudicity are delivering for their customers and helping them not just move to the cloud or consume cloud, but like really driving these exciting and compelling outcomes that, that you guys are delivering every day for your customers. But as you were talking, there were a couple of things that came to mind for me, and I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you a couple of questions. This was not scripted. <laughs> no, it's not. In fact, I was taking notes. I have three questions. Let's see if I remember all three of them. Sure. Um, so first of all, at the beginning of your, of your slides, you were talking about Swimlane. 
Yeah. And like how important it is to have that clear focus and not be boiling the ocean in your practice. So as you were building your business, how did you refine what that swim lane was for you? And how did you make sure you stayed focused in that over time? It's a great question. So we knew from day one, mm -hmm. there was no refinement. Like we, we, from day one, we're gonna be healthcare on AWS. And um, the, it, we, the scope actually expanded because we started primarily as a consulting company. And then we quickly realized our clients need somebody to hold their hand after we hand the project over the wall. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, that's, where, that's where the epiphany to dive deep into managed services came. Um, but when we designed the company on day one, we said, let's do one vertical, one technology partner, and let's give it a go. And they've found um, that you've been able to really stay focused on that, like hyper-focused in your prioritization over time. Yeah, it's, you know, it's hard because, like I said, when, when you get a reputation, for example, as being really good on AWS, you will get non-healthcare companies that say, look, okay, I, I know we're manufacturing, but you guys are really good. Just, like, make an exception for us. And, you know, we'll give you a million dollars to do that. And, you know, saying no is hard. Like, you know, especially as a growing company, it's self-funded, like I started it with my money, and um, saying no to that revenue possibility. But we knew that expanding our scope would eventually be our death knell. And so, we, you know, we, we stayed focused and disciplined, and I think the results were, were pretty good. That's awesome. I know in the, the Partner Summit keynote this morning, um, Andy was on stage with Doug for a little while, and they were in a fireside chat. Um, and one of the things that Andy was really iterating on was that, that same concept of yeah. having clear prioritization and being very focused on what that prioritization is. And I think you guys are a really good example of doing that very successfully. Thank you. Okay, question two. Um, cloud center of excellence. Yeah. So this is something we talk with a lot of partners about, and I think it's such a critical part, even at the very beginning of that journey of building um, whatever your cloud practice looks like, but especially for a managed service provider. Um, how did you approach that in your business? Was that something that you guys had at the very beginning? Was it something that you recognized that you needed over time? It, it's something that we had at the beginning, but we didn't know it. Okay. So, you know, we, we start, we, we, we built a good business and we were, we're, as a team, part of our culture is being very introspective. And so we, we introspected and early and said, what is it that's making us so successful? And we realized there were some common blocks. Mm -hmm. So automation was a very common block. And so we started to put on paper what, that, what we do and where we can improve it. And we started to see the gaps. And, you know, out of that came uh, today's Cloudicity Center of Excellence. That's awesome. And I think it's that, it's that framework that allows you to have like repeatability and scalability and share best practices. And you guys are a great lean, agile business, mm -hmm. um, especially in larger businesses. I see that so very critical to maintain consistency um, across how you're serving your customers globally and in different markets and, and geographies. Um, so third question, automation, automation, automation. That's mm -hmm. one of my favorite things to talk about in this space. And I love your slide about carbon versus silicon. Mm -hmm. Such an important um, point to keep in mind as you're building your business, that you're building it with tooling. Um, but one of the things that I think you touched on in some of your customer stories mm -hmm. that I'd love for us to talk a little bit more about is how that impacts speed, right? So uh, how you're able to deliver for your customers more quickly. You shared a couple of stories. Oh, it went out for a minute. Um, you shared a couple of stories about mm -hmm. moving data centers and getting them turned off within 90 days, right? So what does that look like in your business and how has it, that automation helped you accelerate timing for your customers? 
So, you know, like I said, things that used to take months take moments, right? Mm -hmm. So here's what we notice. Um, our clients can develop and deploy faster because it's done through automation. So just traditional software development accelerates tremendously. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that they can make grand experiments, right? When you're in a data center, let's say you've got an idea for a feature that will probably fail, but if it, if it worked, it would be awesome. And, but it requires like $10 billion of computing equipment before you can even try the experiment. That innovation will never happen. It's dead on conception, right? It, it'll never happen. Yeah. When you can say, okay, let's give it a shot, and you can ephemerally spin up, you know, essentially a supercomputer, mm -hmm. try something, shut it down, it costs 200 bucks, and if it fails, so what? Our clients are making bigger bets than they ever could have made, and if even one in 10 of those plays out, then they've won. That's outstanding. Okay, I'm gonna let you off the hook wonderful. now. Wonderful, thank you but so thank much. thank you, I appreciate yeah, it, Jerry. Wonderful, thanks, All All right, I'm going to take just a few more minutes and talk to you a little bit about resources and enablement. Um, I've been with AWS coming around the corner at four years now, and I've been working with our MSP partners across that time, right? So I've had lots of great opportunities to engage with our partners um, of all types and all sorts of origins that are either born in the cloud or starting as legacy MSPs or legacy VARs and building this business together. Um, and over that time, we've really focused on aggregating best practices um, and building enablement content and programs that expose those best practices to a broader partner community to help bring everyone along on this journey. So um, I want to talk a little bit about building an AWS MSP practice um, and some of the resourcing that we have available to support you in that. Um, First of all, if you're considering doing this or you're already working on it and you're not engaging with us on it, have a conversation with your partner development manager. Um, and quick side note, if you're not sure who that is, you can find it in your partner central account. Their name is right there on your very login, in the, right after you've logged in. You can find the name and contact information for your PDM. But start there. Um, and your PDM can take a look at where you're at right now and what this journey looks like and help navigate your custom path through it based on what resourcing or support that you need and how we can help you grow and evolve. Um, from there, last year actually at reInvent, we announced the launch of our AWS MSP Navigate track. Anybody in the room familiar with APN Navigate? couple of hands. So it's a, a new resource that we launched in 2018 um, to help partners um, build out specialized AWS practices in various spaces, and there are different tracks on different topics. So if you're not familiar with it, it's a really interesting resource to kind of get your, um, get exposure to some of the different specialization areas and help you prepare for MSP or competency or some of the other program specializations. Um, there's an MSP content track, has lots of great material starting from sort of first call, talking about some of the things Adrian went over, which is what do next generation managed services look like, and then taking you all the way through the process um, in the later phases to actually help you prepare to enter the AWS MSP partner program. Um, the program also offers what we call our MSP checklist, or our validation checklist, that serves as the list of requirements to be recognized under this technical validation program. But it was actually designed as a collection of best practices um, to help give guidance to partners based on the best practices we've seen across our partner community. Um, so 
even if you are not at a point that you're thinking, oh, I want to be badged into this program or some things might fit for me and some things don't, that checklist is a really great resource um, across different parts of your business as a managed services practice. So what are you doing in the migration space? How are you looking at DevOps as a part of your practice? Um, how are you handling security fundamentals for your customers? All of that's covered in that checklist and what our best practices recommendations look like. So excellent starting point. Um, you can find that also in Partner Central, your partner development manager can, can help get you connected to it. Um, at that point, when you kind of have a, an understanding of what we're talking about in this space, how you can help your customers, um, what we find some of our partners, especially those coming from traditional services backgrounds, or, you know, J Jerry talked about how they didn't have any of that like legacy technical debt in their business. Not everybody has that luxury, right? We, we have customers that we're working to support in a business evolution that needs to happen, as well as that technical evolution. Um, so the partner transformation gap analysis is actually a consulting service um, from our colleagues with a company called ISSI, who happens to be here in the room. I'm sure they'd be happy to talk to you guys later. Um, but ISSI has been with us since we launched our MSP program. So they've done all of our program audits over time and worked with all of our partners in the program. Um, and out of that industry knowledge, um, they've built this consulting workshop um, where they can dive in with you in a very one-on-one -on -one way, walk you through um, best practices, help give you guidance, and more excuse me, prescriptive um, steps to help you through that journey. So it's something that might be very interesting for some of you to look at if you're in that like business transformation discussion right now. Um, from there, we also offer MSP partner workshops, and these are usually done in a one-to-many setting where we'll invite both your business and technical teams to come spend a day or two with us in a workshop, and we'll walk you through um, the best practices in detail, both from the, the business requirements as well as the technical side, and really get hands-on with you to help um, figure out how to build this in your business. And if that's something that you guys think might be interesting to participate in, again, your PDM can connect you to us so we can get you scheduled into one of those. Um, at that stage, when our partners, when, when you've looked at the requirements, you're like, this really makes sense to me. I want to move in this direction. I want to join the MSP partner program. Are most of you already familiar with the partner program? Not too many people. Okay, a few people. Uh, so the way that the program is structured, we have a, this validation checklist of criteria. Um, that we share with you, we'll work with you, we have some business development and technical solution architect resources that can um, work with you to help build out your business. Um, and then as you have achieved those requirements in the checklist, we'll actually um, send a third-party auditor on site to do a two-day program audit that's a deep dive validation of your um, performance across all those different requirements. Uh, we have about 147 partners globally in our MSP partner program today uh, who have all met that sort of very high rigorous bar. Um, and then once you've joined the program, we enable you with different go-to-market and branding um, resources to help you sell that value to your customers. Uh, if you're looking at moving in the direction of joining the program, there's a pre-assessment process. So before you go into that deep dive two-day audit, there's an opportunity to do sort of a, a, an abbreviated mock audit version of that to help make sure that you're really ready to be successful as an outcome. From there, you would go to the full audit that we discussed, which is a two-day motion. Uh, 
And then after program achievement, um, we have a number of resources and go-to-market activities, including um, gaining access to lead and opportunity um, generating resources. Um, sometimes what I find with some of our partners, you guys are so great technically, right? Like I see such great technical skill set. Um, but sometimes there's a bit of a disconnect from that capability to the ability to package that into a solution, help a customer understand the value that it can bring to them, and then actually convince the customer to purchase that as a product. Um, so, and we've seen that happen broadly enough where, where partners are trying to build this out and trying to get their customers excited about it, and there's a little bit of a disconnect. So we built out a uh, go-to-market acceleration workshop um, that is actually an MDF eligible activity for partners in our program. So if that's something that might be helpful to you, right? Like you've got the te technical capability, you're f trying to figure out how to connect that to a product that you can sell and that's really useful to your customers. We have some resourcing available to support you there. A um, couple of things I just want to dive into really quickly, the AWS MSP Navigate track. I know we talked about this for a moment. Um, this is your path to specialization on as a managed service provider on AWS. There's technical enablement, case studies, white papers, um, and it will align you to all of those resources and make sure that you can access that very self-service um, in addition to the more hands-on support you can get from your partner manager. I also want to talk just a little bit more about the Partner Transformation Gap Analysis, or PTGA, that ISSI can provide. Um, they have a really interesting methodology that they've built in how they approach these workshops. So it's a two to three week duration. Um, it's customized, deep dive one-on-one -on -one with you and your executive team. Um, and they leverage best practices from across the industry and from across many different types of partners um, and have built this really compelling heat mapping exercise where they can assess across these 13 different critical cloud capabilities areas um, where your business is at, um, where there might be some gaps and what might need to be done to close those gaps. As an outcome, you get tangible next steps, right? So it's great to say this is where we want to go but how do we get there? That's the really challenging conversation sometimes. So this, um, this exercise can help align you to real, clear, tangible next steps based on industry insights and best practices, customized recommendations, and like a very tailored set of guidance that's unique and specific to your business from where you're at, where you're trying to get to. So we're just about at time. Just want to cover a couple of quick key takeaways with you. A um, couple of resources I want to make sure you have access to here. The MSP Spotlight page. Um, actually, I think Cloudticity is our latest story at the top of the page right now. Um, this is a resource where we have some really interesting stories about um, how our partners have invested in and transformed their businesses to this next generation cloud managed services model and what they've done with their customers as a result. So all of our partner stories include some of their customer stories as well. Um, so very interesting deep dives and different types of partner models, right? Not everybody is starting where Cloudticity is and there are a lot of different ways that that journey and transformation happens within your businesses. A lot of really interesting stories um, that may provide great guidance for you depending on where you're at as a business too. Contact your partner manager. It's your number one resource as an AWS partner. Um, and again, the 
that's the link to Partner Central. When you log into Partner Central, you'll be able to see the name and contact information for your partner manager, who you can reach out to, have a name and a face and a person to work with, who can walk you through the more custom aspects of uh, how to engage with AWS. And then access the AWS MSP Navigate content. Um, there's a link to the page there. Um, you can have individuals within your business go through um, both the, a business track and a technical track in reviewing that content. So it's a great self-serve resource um, that's available to you really at any time you want to sit down and take a look at that. So with that, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, Please make sure to complete your session surveys on your way out. Um, and Jerry, Adrian, and I will be available offstage over here for a few minutes for questions or if there's anything you guys want to talk more about, okay? Thank you.